Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Thank you, Margie. Thank you, Marcia, for your help on all that this morning. Um, it is a privilege for us to be able to open this text. And so I, I do not want us to take that lightly. And I am thankful to the Lord uh, to be standing behind this sacred desk. And I do not take this task lightly either. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to pave the way for us this morning. Lord Jesus, I come before you this morning um, understanding that I am unable to, un- unable to do what is necessary. That you are the only one that can relay spiritual truth. Father, I ask that you would do what only you can do in these few moments that we have together this morning. Father, I pray that you calm our minds, calm our hearts, and that the things that we would read through this text would transform our lives, and that we would use the text this week um, to bring glory to your name, and that we would enjoy you forever. Father, I ask you to cleanse my heart of sin, purify me of iniquity. You fill me with a double portion of your Holy Spirit for your glory and your purposes. We pray this in your name. Amen. So in Psalm 63, we're going to read this morning um, some great truths that I just think that are... um, David writes this psalm from a a position of of praise and a position of, of really... Seeing God and, and earnestly seeking, earnestly desiring, earnestly wanting to know God in, in a just a, a new and a fresh way. And I'm going to tell you, our praise, the things that we do, when we sing these songs that we sing, when we stand and, and lift our voices in praise to the Lord Jesus Christ, praise is a weapon that can move us from a state of depression and anxiety and move us into a state of power and authority. When, when you and I praise the Lord Jesus Christ, if you notice when we're spending time in praise of God, we are not thinking about the things that are weighing us down because we're thinking about our focus is on the, the, the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, I know I said to turn to Psalm 63, but in Acts 16 verse 25 There's a story you see about midnight, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now I need you to understand something, that's it actually physically happened, but man, there's, there's something to be said about that text. Our praise is a weapon that can loose chains. Amen? Like we have, we have been given by God this authority to loose chains. Now listen, I don't do it on my own. I don't get the loose chains. Oh, Caleb, you're strong. You get the loose chains. No, it is the Holy Spirit that does that. But I'm telling you, our praise is a weapon. We as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have a sacred privilege to be able to come before the sovereign king of the universe who holds all things together. And oftentimes when we come into rooms like this, oftentimes when we come into rooms like this, I feel like so many of us forget that idea. We, we take what we're doing here 
lightly sometimes. And that should never, ever be. Sometimes we can forget how incredible and gracious and powerful King Jesus truly is. And I know that sometimes I sure do. But nevertheless, that's not what we're supposed to do. And in reading this text, it starts to bring things back into my mind as I studied and read this text this week. It it just caused within me a stirring towards the... My affections were stirred towards the things of Jesus as I read through this text. So, as we read this here in a minute, David, who, who is the psalmist here, he's in a place of deep devotion to the Lord. He is in a spot where he is deeply um, entrenched in the things of, of God. And he expresses his intense love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, history for this particular psalm, here's a history lesson for this particular psalm. It was written around the time of Absalom chasing him in Second, um, second Samuel verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verses 13 through 15. I'll, I'll read that just so we have that in context here, but... Um, the messengers came to David. So David's, remember he's king and he's been through some, some bad things. Bathsheba, adultery, murder, all those things. And there's consequences to his sin. And in verse 13, or chapter 15, verse 13, and the messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Now who was Absalom? Absalom was David's son. So, In other words, the hearts of men, people love Absalom, not you. Imagine that in politics. People changing sides and loving somebody else politically, right? That doesn't happen ever, right? Um, But the hearts of men have gone after Absalom, verse 14. Then David said to all of his servants who were with him in Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else we will be... And there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us. And bring us down to ruin on, on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord and the king decrees or decides. So he's fleeing from Absalom because the majority of the country is saying, Listen, we want your son in charge, not you. You're a poor leader. We don't want you. We want your son. So the psalm that we're about to read is written smack dab in the middle of of his son attempting to have a coup. Imagine that. Your, Your own son, your own flesh and blood decides to have a coup against your kingdom. Man. So let's kick it off and we're going to look at verse 1 of Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as a, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. There's, there's a tone in David's voice here of earnestly seeking, earnestly wanting to know who God is. And there's some, listen, there's something interesting about a time of desperation and, and the pursuit of God. When those two things are coupled together, when there is a moment of desperation and you're in the pursuit of God, there is just something interesting that happens. Your, your, your attitude changes. Your posture changes. 
When nothing else seems like it's going to prevail, David is in this moment saying, God, earnestly, I seek you. And he doesn't just say, oh, God, I'm seeking you. He says, oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Man, I just... The language here is just of absolute desperation. John Bunyan once said, In prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without heart. Isn't that true? To have, you might have the words sometimes, but there may be no heart behind it. Anybody have just a moment where you're, oh, it's time to pray. And most of the time when we're praying, it's like, all right, let's pray for dinner. Lord, thank you for the day. Thanks for this food. Bless the body. Amen. Right? There's the words, but there's really no heart behind it. It's just a a regiment of what we're supposed to do. Oh, we're supposed to pray for our food. Man, when when we enter into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer, there should be a tone of desperation. There should be a tone of humility. There should be a grave, just a a, a moment where you see, you and I are coming before the God of the universe who gives us the ability to breathe. And we, God, thanks for today. There's not this, Oh, like I said, we, we get familiar with this thing called Christianity and we forget who it is we serve. We forget who it is we worship and we just sort of kind of do it half-heartedly. And that is never supposed to be something that should happen. Look, listen to the tone of this. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Like that is a different kind of prayer that most of us don't. Like we're not in our Sunday morning, Sunday school class or in our worship service saying, God, my flesh faints for you. Nobody's, so, nobody's doing that. Nobody's saying that. We're just like, God, thanks. Appreciate it. Breathe through this. Do that. God, here. Here. Thank you. Thank you. Up, 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 up. And there's, this, there's a different tone here. David's desire is to be in God's presence. Like that's, that's the overwhelming, remarkable thing. He wants the presence of God like someone who longs to have a drink of cool, cold water in a desert where there is no water. Like that's the imagery here. This should be every single believer's desire. This should be what we long for as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our desire for God should be that strong. That's the question for us this morning. Is, is our desire for the Lord Jesus Christ like that? Is your flesh fainting for the things of God? You're like, no, not really. Man, that, that's problematic. If you don't have a desire to want to know the Lord Jesus Christ in this setting, to God, God, my flesh, earnestly I'm seeking you. Earnestly I want to know you. Earnestly I want to be in your presence. This should be our desire. And and if we're not, we might need to take some time to reflect on why it's not. Verse 2 doesn't doesn't stop either. Verse 2 keeps going. Takes time to reflect on this. So I look upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. He's taking a moment to reflect on who God is and his sovereignty and his power and his glory and his authority. He sees that God is in, he sees God in all of his majesty. 
all of his sovereignty and that God is sovereign over all things. And think of it in the context of what he's in. He's fleeing for his life. And he's saying, God, I know that you're sovereign over this. I know you have power over this. This didn't catch you off guard. You weren't shocked by what's going on with Absalom or me. My sin didn't catch you off guard. This coup didn't catch you off guard. This is, you're sovereignly in control before the foundation of the world. You knew that this was going to take place. And so I've looked upon that. I've reflected on that in this sanctuary. And I behold your power and your glory. And as a result of that verse, thinking on that, his gratitude is relayed in verse 3. And listen to this. Now listen to this in verse 3. Because of your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you and so I will bless you as long as I live in your name and in your name I will lift up your or lift up my hands in your name because your steadfast love is better than life listen he's telling us here that God's love for him God's love for me is better than being able to be alive like that's huge how many of you love life to be alive how many of you love being alive okay if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar because you're doing every. Like when you get sick, what do you? I go into the doctor. I'm going to take medicine. I'm going to do, why? Because we don't want to be sick. Everyone in the room, although death is not something to be feared for a believer, none of us are seeking that out, right? Nobody has, like we're not over here going. You know what? I think I'm going to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. Nobody in the room is doing that. Why? Because life is precious to every single one of us. And David is saying here that God, your love for me, your, not just your love, but your steadfast love, the love that never changes, the love for me that is constantly here, is better than being able to be alive. Your, your love is better than being able to breathe. Like, that's, that's big. Your love for me, God, is better than being able to take a breath, being able to breathe. So because of that fact, I will praise you as long as I live. That's the idea in the text. What would it look like? Listen to me this morning. Look look at me. What would it look like if you and I took the time to have this kind of stance with the Lord Jesus Christ? When you and I come into a state of prayer, when you and I come into a time of praying before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we reflect on that, we say, God, because of your steadfast love, because your love is better than life, because you are, you are a constant in my life, my lips are going to praise you, and I'm going to bless you as long as I live. Regardless of what comes down the pike at me, I'm going to bless your name. The good times and the bad. God, I'm going to lift up. Remember, in the context of this, is David having a good time? No. He's running for his life. He's running for his life. And he's trying to get to a position where he is safe from his his son trying to kill him. Verse 5 has this fantastic imagery. My soul is satisfied with you. As with fa- my soul is, fat, is satisfied as with fat and rich food, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Woo! Like his, his soul, his mind, in all of these moments, his mind is going to, 
and all the all the chaos. And how many of you guys ever, when you have chaotic things in your in your life, your mind can tend to just go wild? Anybody? Just have these crazy things where you think, "Well, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I've got all these things happening. This is, bup, 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 bup. I've got all these things." He's like, "In my mind, my soul, my suke, my mind, I'm going to be satisfied with God. My mind is going to be satisfied." With thinking and and concentrating on who you are, God, and what you've done in my life, how you how you have preserved me, how you have loved me, how you've taken care of me, even when I don't deserve to be taken care of, you've still taken care of me. You still loved me when I didn't deserve to be loved. You still loved me. The way he focuses and concentrates and enjoys God, he does it with the imagery here, the way we concentrate and enjoy good food, right? You put a good steak in front of us, cook just right. You put, you put good food, that's in, you put some fajitas in front of me. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concentrate and I'm going to enjoy that. Anybody else? Am I the only? Okay, got a couple. Listen, you put some good fajitas in front of your pastor. I'm not paying attention to anybody. Right? I'm going to, listen, we all do it. You Instagrammers that are taking pictures of your food, guilty, right? Focus in, get the right filter on it. Make it look good, make it look pretty. Why? Because I'm focusing on that stuff because it's good. This is the imagery here. My soul is going to be satisfied with you, God, as with fat, rich, glorious, amazing food. That's how I'm going to think about you, God. Man. I love you. My mouth is going to praise you the way my mouth meant. Oh, and fajitas are good, right? The way I, my mouth praises this, I'm going to praise you with joyful lips. Woo! He enjoys God's presence. John Piper says, man's chief end. Now listen to this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. He calls it Christian hedonism. Interesting, right? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. There's nothing wrong or wicked with a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ enjoying the presence of God. Don't ever think, oh yeah, Caleb, you're getting too you're getting too holy roller on us here. You're enjoying God's presence too much. I've never known a believer in Christ to be like, man, I just I've had too much of God's presence in my life. I just I need to take a break. I've never known anybody to say that. Now, on the other hand, I've, like, I've, I've heard other believers saying, man, God's presence is something I need. I need God's presence in my life like, man, nobody else. I need to know. I need to hear from God. I need to be in God's presence. Amen? I've never heard anybody else saying, man, I've had too much of God. Whew. No, 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 no. We are actually told to pursue God. To know him on a, on a, listen, on an intimate level. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. First Chronicles 22, 19 says, Now devote your hearts and your souls to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God into the temple. That, that, that will be built for the name of the Lord. So the idea here is what? 
You devote your heart, you devote your soul to seeking the Lord your God. Don't take any, like, devote that time. Spend time in knowing who the Lord Jesus Christ is. The idea in the text here is that we set apart ourselves for worship. We set apart our minds and our hearts and our bodies for a time of worship. Matthew chapter 22, verse 27 through 28, Jesus commands us this. Jesus tells us to do the exact same thing. Jesus, and he, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and the first, the greatest and the first command. So what's the greatest command, Caleb? Jesus just told you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Every ounce of it, you are to, you are to love the Lord your God with every fiber in your being. Above all else, our desire as Christians should be to love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ supremely. Is that you this morning? We're called to have a different view on this world. Amen? Like that's what we're called to do. We're called to have a different perspective on this. Because of your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Verse 4, so I will... Bless you as long as I live, and your name I will lift up my hands. And my soul is satisfied with, with you like fat, rich food. Now, interesting enough, we'll, we'll come back here and I'll, I want to just put a pen in the notes. I had a conversation this week with a friend of mine. Um, his dad and my dad passed away about the same time, just about a month apart. And he said, I, one of the, his dad's favorite numbers was 63. When I told him when I was preaching on this weekend, he said, man, dad's verse was Psalm 63, verse 6. He says, as he laid in bed dying, this was one of the things that his, he, he just quoted to himself. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. I don't know what it is, but man, when you're sick, when's the worst time to be sick? At night. I don't know why it gets worse at night. It just does. You just feel crummier at night. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm the, I know I'm not the only one because I'm married to a woman who gets, when she gets sick at night, it's bad. Amen? She's over there. Yeah. But I, when I... When I meditate, when I remember you upon my bed and, the, and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Like David is sitting there because th- at night I think you, you have time just to, every, there's no distractions. It's just you and the Lord at night on the pillow there. You're, just, you're laying there thinking about the things that are going on throughout the day. And David's had a ton going on. And as he's remembering the goodness of God, as he's remembering who God is, he says, I'm going to meditate on you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to focus. I'm going to meditate on who you are in the watches of the night. And verse 7 says, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Oh, that is, that, this is what we're called to do. The, the desire for a Christian should be to want to know and be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 tells us this. It's very pointed here. If you have been raised with Christ... 
If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. When, when Christ followers, if, if we've been, listen, if you've been set free by the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been raised with Christ, as Christ was, he died in, on the cross and was buried in the tomb for three days and then was raised three days later for your justification. If you've been raised with Christ and you call yourself a Christ follower, you're to focus on the things that are not of this earth. We are to focus on what Christ has, that on Christ who is seated in the heavenly places. Listen, you are to focus your mind and your heart on things that are heavenly, that are otherworldly. People say, oh, there's, can a Christian be too heavenly minded? Can a Christian be too heavenly minded? According to the text, no. No, you can't. I've heard people say, well, some Christians can be so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. I've heard that saying. I think that's a hogwash statement. Because anybody who's properly aligned with the things of God and they are focused on the things that are heavenly, they are going to have a different mindset here on earth. When a Christian has a high focus on the things of heaven, has a high view of God, has a high view of scriptures, then they are quick to do what God's called them to do. They're quick to obey the Lord. They're quick to share the things of God on this earth. Which that's the goal, right? What did Je The last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, he says, go therefore in all, in all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like that was the last thing he told us to do. Go into all the world, baptizing, making disciples. Like, so, so to think that Christians can be too heavenly minded, that is a fatal error on the behalf of the church. Any pastor, any church leadership that says, oh, Christians shouldn't be that heavenly minded. We need to get where it will be of no earthly good. Man, if you've got a true, genuine focus on eternity, it's going to motivate you to do what God's called you to do. If you're thinking about your eternity, you listen, I could die at any moment. And then what happens? That quick, I'm in the presence of God. What did you do with your life for the Lord Jesus Christ? What, what, did, you, what did you do? Did you submit yourself? Did you repent of your sins? Did you trust the gospel? Did you obey him? Did you follow him in, in baptism? Did you, do what he, did, you become a, did you do what he told you to do? Well, Caleb, I got a lot of things going on in my life, Caleb. I'm, I got things happening here. Verse 3 of Colossians 3 gives us the details of why we should focus on heavenly things and focus on Christ. Verse 3, For you who are in Christ have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Come on, listen. You and I have a... Have we're not, we well, I got rights, Caleb. You're a dead man. Romans 6 says that you've died to yourself. You've died to the past. You died, when Christ died on the cross, you died too. 
And when Christ rose again from the grave, you rose new with Christ in you. Your life is, listen, listen, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you're securely hidden in Christ, who is God. And when Christ, who is God, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So what are you supposed to be doing? Get your mind off the things of this world. Get your mind off of the things that are happening around you. Get your mind off of what's happening in the world. And get your mind focused on the things of God. And that will motivate you to do what you should be doing. It'll motivate you to pursue the things you should be pursuing. It'll motivate you to neglect the things you should be neglecting. Amen? So every, everything that, that you are is summed up in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who you are, your identity as a Christian is in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Caleb, that's not my identity. My identity is wrapped up in my job. My identity is wrapped up in my family. My identity is wrapped up in blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. Everything, if you say I'm a Christian, you say, oh, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then everything you do, everything from brushing your teeth to putting your shoes on to going to your job, is to be summed up in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see the world through a different lens. Those co-workers you pass, their houses are on fire. Their spiritual house is on fire. You don't ignore that their house is on fire. You come up, and I've, I've told you all this example before. You don't, if I was walking over to Tyler's house and it was on fire, I'm not going to walk up and knock on the door and ask Tyler about his, his flower bed. Or his, hey man, I saw your, your, new, your new vehicle over here. Tell me about that truck. Tell me about what's going on here. You'd be like, bro, your house is on fire. Get out. And consequently, Tyler's not going to be like, you know what? You're a bigot, Caleb. I can't believe you, hate monger. I'm like, bro, your house is on fire. You're going to die. He's going to get out and be like, holy smoke, my house is on fire. Thanks for telling me. Let's get, right? How many of you past coworkers, past people on the street who their spiritual house is on fire and you just, eh, Got a nice flower bed. Are those tulips or daffodils? What, what do we got here? And their house all the while is burning. Your identity is wrapped up in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have no other identity. Your zip code does not predicate who you are. Your last name doesn't just didn't tell you who you are. You're, you're in Christ. That's what matters, is you're in Christ. So I'll echo this again. Psalm 63. Because of your steadfast love, because it's better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Listen, here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ this way? Are you earnestly seeking after God? Are you earnestly seeking after God? L listen, I, I, I can't, I just thought of this and I want you guys to see this because it's, it's important. And I think that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hebrews chapter 9, listen to this. I want you to hear this. 
Hear with some ears here. So Christ, this is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. I don't think the words in the text are there just willy-nilly. Are you eagerly longing and waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ? No, Caleb, I'm not really... Like when I leave here, I don't really think about God that much. And that's a problem. Like that's, listen, that's a problem. If you're not thinking about who Jesus is, when you leave this place and you're not concerned about eternity, man, I think you need to reevaluate. You may not be saved. And that's a gamble. That's a big gamble. I'll take my chances, Caleb. (laughs) Okay. Like, the text tells us very clearly. And David says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Listen, does your soul thirst for the things of God? Does your soul thirst? Does your flesh faint for the things that are for God? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, listen to this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now listen. Listen. I don't know how much of God you guys have here this morning. Like I I can't walk up to Chansey with my phone. I don't have an app on my phone that just... All right, Chansey, you're filled with the Lord at a solid 72%. Good job, buddy. I I don't have an app like that. I don't know how much you got. But here's what I do know. You've got all of God's you want. And if you don't have more of God, it's because you don't want it. Because you're full of something else. You're full of yourself. And you're full of the things of the world. And if you want more of God, you can have more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you hungering and thirsting for the things of God? Does your soul faint for the things of God? Well, not really. You probably need to have yourself reevaluated. Like you need to, you need to change your position in life, change the posture of your heart. Man, I'd much rather make sure, make you, Caleb, I don't know, maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not. Listen, I've quoted Frank for over a year now. Hell's too long for you to be wrong. And it's the truth. And it, how, how foolish for us to sit in a room like this and go, well, I know that that's how, I, I feel like maybe I'm not, but I'm just going to take my chances. I'm, my, I'll see if my, my good outweighs my bad. I'm going to promise you, your bad is always going to outweigh your good. Even your good is bad in the kingdom of God. You've got to be forgiven. Your good deeds do nothing for you. They're filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. You've got to be forgiven and set free from your sins. And the only way that happens is if you repent and turn from your sins. So are you here today and you, man, I'm not earnestly seeking the Lord. Well, you should be. Well, Caleb, I'm not satisfied. Well, you, because you're not hungering and thirsting after the things that are, are, are godly. Blessed 
are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For then they're going to be satisfied. Satisfied with what? What do you mean satisfied? Tell me more about that satisfaction, Caleb. It's not like that. I can't get no. It's not, not the, we're not talking about the Rolling Stones. I, listen, that, that, that resonates in a room like this. You guys, anybody know who the, we all know who the Stones are. Come on. <laughs> What'd you say? Come on. My wife is just, she's giving me a stink eye for just that. But the idea here is, is that when we look at the text, I'm going to be satisfied. My soul will be satisfied with you as fat, rich food. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be satisfied. You won't have to sing, I can't get no satisfaction. You, you'll find satisfaction in who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He doesn't let you down. And if you're here this morning, you're, man, I'm looking for some grace. I'm looking for forgiveness. I'm looking for a place of redemption and rescue. God's here. He's present. His word is, is more than sufficient to give you the advice, the direction, the commands, the instruction to say, listen, Jesus is better. Lay it down. Lay down your burdens at the foot of the cross. Lay down your past at the foot of the cross and let Jesus do what Jesus does. He's a life changer. He's a soul rescuer. He's a life changer. Amen? Amen? All right.